OpenAI is making some moves in India. They have recently tapped the former Twitter India head um, for some strategic AI policy talks in India. We're going to be diving into this. This is a super juicy story. Um, geopolitics, AI, all the good stuff. And of course, one of the world's biggest markets, which is India. Well, actually, probably the biggest market that OpenAI can address since China's, you know, banning them and whatnot. We will be diving into all of this juicy stuff, but first I wanted to say a big thank you to the over 260 of you that have invested in our crowdfunding campaign. We've just crossed the $280,000 mark that we've raised for our um, crowdfunding campaign for AI Box over on republic.com. So for those that don't know, we are raising a $1.2 million round of funding for AI Box, which is a no-code AI app builder and marketplace, essentially a place that's going to allow anyone to build any AI tools. You can use your current like prompts that you're using on ChatGPT and Midjourney and Dolly. You can chain them together and make really impressive tools. So if you're interested in investing in a new AI startup, you can go to republic.com AI-box. I'll leave a link in the description. Check out our campaign. And if this looks like something you're interested in, we would love to have you on board as an investor. Minimum investments are $150. Maximum is $100,000. So we're super excited to have more of you join us on this journey. But let's get into the episode. Welcome to the world's number one AI podcast, AI Chat. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Make sure that you go to AIbox.ai, link in the show notes, to join the waitlist for our new AI platform. We're going to be launching an incredible platform that allows you to build anything you want with workflows um, in AI. So you're able to chain together ChatGPT and image generators and audio generators to make really powerful apps for your organization or you can host them on our marketplace and actually generate royalties from them. So make sure to go to AIbox.ai and join the waitlist. In addition, if you like the podcast, if you could do me a massive favor and please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. This helps me be able to get better guests on here as they check the reviews to see how you guys are liking it. So if you could please do that, I would really, really appreciate it. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. In a strategic move that is, I think, really set to kind of deepen its footprint in one of the world's largest internet markets, OpenAI is engaging with Rishi Jaiti, who's a former Twitter India head, as a senior advisor. So this collaboration is part of OpenAI's kind of broader initiative to navigate, I think, what is right now really a complex policy and regulation landscape, um, specifically in India in their AI sector. So uh, Rishi, whose career trajectory includes, he's had a bunch of significant roles at Google, Twitter, and Times Bridge, um, and is reportedly playing a really crucial role in advising OpenAI on establishing a strong presence in India. So his expertise and insights are particularly valuable as I think OpenAI currently, without an official presence in India, is really trying to expand its global reach. Um, and the move comes after OpenAI co-founder and CEO Sam Altman. Um, he visited New Delhi and he met with Prime Minister um, Modi, and I think really this is signaling the company's growing interest in the Indian market, which right now is the biggest market that they could enter since China is effectively banning, you know, foreign AI models. Um, so Jaidi 
who has a really strong history of leading initiatives in the tech industry across the Asia, Asia Pacific and also Middle East regions, is not formally employed at OpenAI. However, um, his involvement has been really pivotal since Altman visited New Delhi. So um, I think during his whole time over at Twitter, um, he was really instrumental in establishing the company's footprint in India. And also he later joined Times Bridge and contributed to its growth and I think a lot of his global partnerships. So I think the significance of him and his role is underscored by OpenAI's Vice President of Global Affairs, Anna Makanju, who kind of scheduled to speak at who was, you know, scheduled to speak at the Global Partnerships on Artificial Intelligence Summit in Delhi. And a lot of different sources have indicated that JD was instrumental in arranging um, you know, Makanju's preparations at this really big event. So I think, you know, like that's obviously, you know, getting someone into an event, that's like one level, but I really think this goes a lot deeper. And sometimes when you're you're trying to get in at a high level, uh, you know, oh, Sam Altman meeting with the prime minister of India obviously is a really big, um, is a really big step. And I think right now they're really just trying to make sure that they're accessing this market, they're getting in the market, they don't have any legislative blocks because obviously that could happen, right? A huge company, like it wouldn't be out of the question for huge companies to be completely banned in India. We see that with TikTok, right? Obviously a massive company, completely banned in India um, for a time, I guess fact check if that's still the case, but you know, they, they did ban TikTok for, for some time and perhaps it's still there. So, you know, OpenAI definitely doesn't want to run into a situation like that. And I think it makes a it makes a lot of sense for them to find some of these strategic partners. And I think, you know, India, yeah, this is one thing, but I think we could we may see the same strategy roll out in a lot of different countries. And we've seen the same play um, at Uber when Uber was essentially expanding. There was um, for completely different reasons. Well, actually, actually really not that different of reasons. But when Uber was expanding, you saw a lot of like lobbyists, specifically the taxi lobby and all sorts of different countries. France was a big problem, I remember you know, looking at newspapers when Uber was going to France, where all the taxi drivers in Paris were like making giant blockades um, and lighting tires on fire. And I mean, I've, I know, of course, French people, they do like to protest. And I say that as someone that lived in France for two years. Um, but, you know, I, I still think this is definitely uh, a play that Uber made where when all this was going on, they literally went and, uh, you know, met with the prime minister of France, um, Macron, Emmanuel Macron, which I think he was like the transportation secretary at the time or something like that. Um, don't fact check me on that. Go look it up. But, you know, he's somewhere in the government at the time they met with him and he helped Uber like get past all the taxi lobby and made sure that Uber was like a viable uh, player in there. Now, had they not had that insider in, in the government, it would have been a completely different situation because many, you know, a lot of com a lot of countries did just ban Ubers and there was all this drama around Uber getting banned in different countries and who's going to ban them. I mean, coming from Canada, I think Uber, I got to double check if it's even legal in Canada right now, but like it probably became legal in within the last five, you know, like four, four years, probably Uber. Um, and there was a long time in Canada where I come from in any case. Uh, I come from Vancouver Island near Vancouver. Um, same thing in Vancouver, but like there's a very strong taxi lobby. I think the company's called like Green Cab or Yellow Cab. And there might be Bluebird Cab as well, the two big cab companies I remember. And all of them are run by a, a group of people. There's a there's definitely, uh, I, I would say, a number of people that in, that own that industry completely. And they did not want Ubers. And they actually were very successful in keeping Uber out of the country. Um, you know, I heard, and it was interesting because like 
being raised there, I heard all sorts, all you know, all kinds of things like, oh yeah, Uber's so dangerous. Can you imagine letting a stranger drive you? And I'm like, yeah, but like a taxi driver's a stranger. Like they could be just as, you know, likely as being a serial killer on a bad day as, I don't know, someone in an Uber. That was kind of the thing. It was like, oh, never let it, some random person pick me up and drive me. So, you know, there, there was that whole thing and Uber was effectively illegal in Canada for a very long time. And it was all because of the lobbyists and the government. And they ended up doing this whole thing where it was like they, they gave the taxi company or like taxi lobby like millions of dollars to build their own Uber competitor app. So and they let them launch it before they would allow Uber back in whatever. So there's all this drama, which I think is kind of anti progress. If your product is better, you wouldn't have to worry about that. But I personally hated getting scammed by taxi drivers. So I loved Uber. In any case, long story short. OpenAI does not want a repeat of the global Uber situation. And so I think you see them making these really big high profile moves where they're getting essentially like ambassadors in different countries, high level ambassadors, lobbyists that can work with the government to make sure that their technology gets rolled out um, in you know a solid way, doesn't get blocked by the, the legislation and the government. So India's position in the global AI landscape, I think has been a topic with a lot of debate. So critics point out there's a huge difference in funding between Indian AI startups and also, um, you know, their counterparts in countries like China or the substantial investment in companies like OpenAI. So regardless, I think there's a really big view that India's AI sector, while it's very new, shows a lot of promise with startups like um, Sarvam raising significant funding and beginning to build foundational models. And I think the interest in India by companies like OpenAI is not surprising, given it's obviously a massive internet user base and there's so much untapped potential in AI development. However, I do think that the journey, like there's, there's going to be some challenges here. So OpenAI faces a lot of regulatory hurdles and its strategy seems to be focused on understanding and navigating the evolving policy environment in India. So Indian government officials, including the IT minister of state, which is Rajiv, um, have indicated a preference for international collaboration over strict regulation in AI and they're kind of emphasizing AI's potential in real life applications. So like, that's great, right? Um, but in contrast to OpenAI's emerging presence, Microsoft, which is a major investor and strategic partner of OpenAI, has a very well-established footprint in India with a significant workforce and multiple data centers. And I think they're really kind of showcasing a successful model of tech integration into the Indian market. And this is probably where OpenAI is getting like a lot of the uh, direction and perhaps advising to like, hey, you need to get over there in person. You need to start meeting with people. Um, really, you want the government officials. And of course, they went to the very top here, but they want the government officials to have like a good taste in their mouth when they think of your company. So they're not going to regulate you as harshly. So um, I think as OpenAI ventures into this kind of new area with uh, guidance of Rishi, the tech world is really interested to see how this whole this company is going to navigate a lot of the complex evolving landscapes of AI policy and development in India. And OpenAI's approach and I think potential success in all of this could set a precedent for AI development and collaboration in one of the world's most dynamic tech ecosystems. So this is definitely a story we'll continue to follow and a lot of interesting things could come out of this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. 
Thank you for listening to the AI Chat Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, I'd appreciate it if you rate me wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're looking for an innovative group of AI enthusiasts, make sure you check out our Discord channel and also our Facebook community. It's obviously a lot more interactive than a podcast where we can actually share software tools, prompts that we're using in everyday AI. I'll leave a link for those in the description below.